For decades, five women would meet up each month to talk about books, life, love, and the jagged bits in between. But each woman carried a complex secret, and one weekend, without warning, everything comes unstuck. It's the premise of Anita Heiss's 2014 novel, Titters. And now she's bringing Izzy, Veronica, Xanthi, Nadine and Ellen to the stage. I spoke to Anita about adapting Titters from page to stage and how the show is opening up new elements of the story for her. Ira Dumarang, Yundu Yanada Heiss, Baladu Waradjuri Gilang, Aramajibu Rangli Bormia Gandhi, Bala Williams. Hello, my name's Anita Heiss and I have Wiradjuri belonging from Arambi and Brungle Missions. They're in central New South Wales and I'm a Williams. Anita, we've come to know you as an author. What prompted you to write for the stage? What happened was back in November of 2019, I was invited by Nadine McDonald-Dowd, who was then the artistic director at QPAC, and Sonia Simic, who was creative producer at Le Boite, who were both working on a partnership between both uh, theatre companies. And they invited me, or they said, would you like, would you consider adapting Titters for the stage as part of their partnership? And in, you know, a couple of months later, at the beginning of 2020, just before COVID hit, we started workshopping the play. Um, I became part of the Le Boite Rider in Residency program, and and that's how it started. I mean, I've long loved going to the theatre. Um, I go to the theatre much more up here in Brisbane because it's just much more accessible. I've actually just seen Wesley Enoch's um, The Sunshine Club here oh. at QPAC. Oh, it was <laughs> so <lucky>. incredible. <laughs> and Roxanne McDonald, Arnie Roxy, who was in The Sunshine, the original Sunshine Club, which I think was in the 90s sometime, she was in this version of it as well. But back in the 90s, she had to wear a grey wig and she joked about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that now she just had her great hair now. So, um, you know, I've, I've loved the theatre and Roxy's actually in my play now as well. So it's not something that I ever aspired to do. It's not, honestly, it's not something I'd ever, I'd ever thought about. So I'm really grateful that someone else had this idea for me. <laughs> it's always nice when somebody has a vision for you that you might not have thought of mm. for yourself? I think that happens to lots of people all the time, in, in, in lots of areas of their lives. Somebody mm. sees that you have uh, capacity, and we talk about this particularly with the imposter syndrome issue, that if somebody thinks you have the capacity to do something, then you probably have. We need to see ourselves the way other people do. Oh my goodness. I regularly describe myself as a mushroom, and that Why? I do really well when I'm just sort of left alone oh, in, the dark, in the dark to just kind of <laughs> do my thing and I'll flourish and bloom. And if you put light on me, that's when I start to get a bit stressed a oh, little bit. <laughs> that's a wonderful thing to share though, because you know, the reality is there'll be lots of people who feel exactly the same way. But in the meantime, let's let's keep talking mm-hmm. about your writing process. Mm-hmm. What has it been like to start to shift into this new medium? How is playwriting different to your fiction writing? It's so different. And I realised when you were just asking that question then, that for the most part, when people ask me that, I ju- all I say is it's really challenging. <laughs> but in fact, it's all the emotions. It's challenging, it's fulfilling, it's joyful, it's eye-opening, it's full of laughter and tears and so forth. But for me, it was very challenging from day one and right up until this morning when I sent what 
I hope is the final draft because writing a novel, it's yourself. In, I'm in the library or I'm at home or I'm, you know, in a room by myself and I have a, a relationship with my editor and my publisher and maybe my publicist will give me some comments. But when you're in the theatre... Everybody, the artistic director, the dramaturg, the cultural creative producer, all the actors, everybody's got a comment about, you know, the structure, some dialogue and so forth. And so that was quite challenging for me because I wasn't used to having everybody want to have a say in the story that was my story. That was a huge learning process for me. And I was saying to um, one of my dramaturgs today that I am much calmer now because we've been in rehearsals and I've seen the actors and I fully trust that cast and Nadine, who's directing. The thing with writing also, writing a novel, you write all the details. You write what the character can see, all the senses, Mm. what they can see, what they can smell, the taste of the food and and any sensory stuff, any touching and so forth, so that the reader can be transported to that place and moment in time. Now, with the theatre, they say, show, don't tell. So... (laughs) What I did with the novel was pull it back, literally turn the novel into dialogue, which I don't know how people start with an idea and just sit down and write a play. So at least I had the story, I had a structure, and and so I quite enjoyed that process. But again, that's I, I stopped n- numbering the drafts because it <laughs> was in double digits and I just started putting the date on them. And I think the other challenge was uh, we were in COVID, obviously, and we had to have readings of the scripts over Zoom rather than in the studio. The upside of that was we could have people, we had like Kylie Bracknell Zoom in from WA. We had Shari Sevens. I think she was in Melbourne at the time. We had Justine Clark and Colin Kinchella Zoom in from Sydney, just to name a few because we had a few reads over Zoom. So, you know, that that experience as well, having all those different creatives, all these incredible talent read the story, dive into their characters and give feedback was something you don't necessarily get when you write a novel. The whole time I was guided by Nadine and Sonia and then Jane Harrison, which your your listeners will know Jane Harrison. Mm. She came on as dramaturg when we knew that Nadine would be the director of the play. And even now we've been in it's the third week, end of the third week of rehearsals and it's just every single day is an incredible learning experience for me, seeing now I know when I go to the theatre what it's actually taken. It's not just someone writes a script. It's actually seeing the director in action with the cast, bring it all to life with movement and emotion. And that is so fulfilling because what I've also seen, which you don't get when you're just writing a novel, is you see how the cast fall in love with their characters and so forth. So... It's just really, really extraordinary. And I, I keep saying to the cast, going, are you going to write another play? And I'm like, no, this is, I've done it, tick that box, don't need to do it again. And even Jane Harrison said, you just wait till opening night when there's all this <laughs> applause and it's such a rush, which it's so different to writing a novel. Not that I ever feel lonely because there's an incredible writing community here in, in Brisbane and nationally we're all part of a network, but it's really different doing storytelling with groups of people. I mean, it directly changes your relationship with your audience because you might have 30 people that are all reading the book at the same time. They're not doing that in the same room, whereas 
theatre, you've got a room full of people. 30 is a really small number for theatre. <laughs> Oh, no, 30 is a big number for writing, for novels. Like, you know, so you're absolutely right. And the thing is you write a novel, you put it out into the public space, you may never um, hear a response at all, actually. Mm. And so um, you're absolutely right. Instead, in, in, in this instance, you sit in the theatre, I'll be going to nearly every single performance um, and because I want to hear the experience, I want to hear if people laugh in the places that I think are funny or if they laugh in places, you know, because you have no control over how people experience. I want to see if they cry in the places that I cry, the gasps and and so forth. And um, you're right. So the playwright in this instance um, get I feel really weird saying that, the emerging playwright <laughs> gets to experience the live reaction to the work. And so I think um, like I get overwhelmed just sitting in the rehearsal studio now and give them a standing ovation every time a scene's done. And I say, I'll be the only one standing up in the theatre. But um, I think you're right. It's a completely different experience. It takes just as long though, I'll tell you. It took me mm. probably as many drafts to and time to write the stage adaptation that it took me to write the novel. Has it changed how you um, how you see Titters now that you have reworked it for a mm. new medium? I think when I see in the stage version, now that I see the actors and met the actors, most I knew some of the actors, but meeting all the actors and so forth, and I see the depth that they bring to the characters and I watch them in rehearsal considering each of their characters, and that's quite extraordinary. Before they even get into the script, they talk about the backstory. They try to understand how old the characters were at this point, you know, what inspired them to do this, why do they think like this, everything down to, um, you know, there was, a, you know, one exercise where the, they were sitting around the table and, and Nadine was saying, well, why did you choose to sit there? So they get they get so into the character, it's that they have a reason for every single action that they do, which um, I don't think I've unpacked in the novel itself. So I think what it's given me is it actually a greater insight into the characters that I created as a foundation in the novel. And I think also what I wanted in the novel is I wanted the warmth and love that friends have for each other in, in terms of long-lasting relationships and that, that sense of unconditional friendship. And I, what I've seen the play can do is actually demonstrate or make that love and warmth more obvious and it's almost tangible on the stage. And I think that's actually given me a greater understanding of the love and warmth and friendship within the novel itself. Because Titters is based on a group of women who meet up each month for book club... Can you talk a little about the ways in which it's a celebration of female friendship, but particularly black women? Well, I wanted to write about a story of sisterhood, particularly set in Brisbane, with Wiradjuri women characters, because I wanted to reflect my, well, some Wiradjuri characters and other women. I wanted to reflect the world that I live in. And I wanted, I want the story really um, reflects the women like I do with my female friends who discuss literature of First Nations writers in particular, 
something obviously very important to me. But they also, well, we also talk about identity in detail for non-Indigenous friends uh, when necessary and why we choose the language to define ourselves the way we do. The Koori women in the play speak about connection to Wiradjuri country, even though they live in Mianjin, which obviously uh, reflects my own personal experience. But, you know, Aboriginal people the country over move for relationships, for work, for a whole range of reasons. So many of us living off country, it doesn't mean that we're necessarily disconnected. So I, you know, these are the sort of ways we we celebrate our titterism, as Jackie Huggins would call <laughs> it, or our sisterhood, is by reminding each other of, you know, these connections and, and how they exist and how we play them out every day. You mentioned there that Mianjin is a very important element of the show. I know that Titters has been described as a love letter to Mianjin. Mm-hmm. How have you brought it into the theatre? The the story is set in five distinct suburbs of Brisbane, um, West End, The Gap, Paddington, Kangaroo Point and Upper Brookfield, and each suburb is a reflection um, of the Titter who lives in that suburb. And Maywa, the river, is also a character. But m- more importantly, the jacaranda tree, which is a character in itself in Brisbane. And it will feature, the tree um, will feature in the theatre and in the foyer of the theatre, which I'm super excited about. And guests are in for a real treat. I don't want to give too much away, no spoilers, but they will be in for a treat um, in the production r- around the jacaranda. So the set has been created to be very Brisbane. I, we visited the, uh, the workshop the other day where the set's being built and I was completely blown away because my idea was, oh, we can have a table in the middle where they sit around for their book clubs and maybe project some images of the river and some images of Mudgee. They've built this incredible Queenslander, uh, you know, this facing Queenslander, you know, two-storey with a wall of bookcases, which is extraordinary. Uh, we are now just getting all these books delivered to the theatre and dropped into Avid Reader and I'm, you know, shuffling books around over to the theatre because um, we I want to have real live books on these massive bookcases and at the end of the season we're going to do a great book swap. So we can, we'll sell all those books to raise money for the amazing work of the Indigenous Literacy Foundation, which, you know, is just wonderful. So it's a very Queensland-looking set and the and the story is very much about you know um, the the local landscape as well. You've been an ambassador of the Indigenous Literacy Foundation for quite some time. Can you tell us a little about the the books that are featured mm-hmm. and the significance of them? Um, I've obviously I've chosen books that I love <laughs> by authors that I love, and anybody who's got a complaint, well, I just said, well, you write your own play. It's the best I write your way own to do novel. it. <laughs> You know, so that's, you know, so the books discussed in the play, so there's more books discussed in the novel than there are in the play because the play needs to be, you know, it's a one-act play so you can't have everything in there. But the books discussed in the play include Larissa Berent's Legacy, Melissa Lukashenko's uh, Mullumbimby, Terry Janke's Butterfly Song and Nicole Watson's The Boundary. Now, three of those authors have links to Brisbane or Queensland. Um, so those books speak to local Murrays in particular. But the books themselves provide the springboards for the greater conversations within this particular book club about father-daughter relationships, about the history of the boundary um, in West End. They speaks to native title and how that plays out for people on the East Coast. But like all book clubs, 
the book discussion is really a minor part of what is discussed <laughs> at each book club. So quite often it's the real life or quite often in every book club they're talking about the actual lives of the women, um, not necessarily in the fictional novels, and, we get in, and that's where we get an insight into the relationships and the dreams and the fears and the heartaches and the regrets of each of those uh, each of the cast or each of the characters, I should say. So as with the novel, that was my plan. We, we, we have the novel and whatever the theme of the novel is a springboard into a greater conversation. It sounds like such an exciting show. Um, has it inspired you to keep writing plays, to keep writing scripts? So I'm going to be honest and say I haven't thought about doing another play because I have quite a few books on the boil. You have a children's picture book version of um, Billy Yadadangalang Duray about the Great Flood of Gundagai and I've got a another book for Audible called Rodeo Dreaming and I've got another epic historical novel due for release in 2024. So I haven't really, I haven't really, I haven't at all thought about another play. I think we will see how, um, how Titters goes here in Brisbane. If any other artistic directors around the country are interested in touring it, we'll see how that plays out. Um, I would like to see some of my other work on the stage. I, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know that I've got the skill to write a play with a brand new a brand new concept, but I could see mm. something like Am I Black Enough for You become like a one-woman show, like Leah Purcell's Box the Pony of Years Gone By, which was a fantastic um, performance that I saw a couple of times, I think, <laughs> at the Sydney Opera House back in the day. But, um, yeah, I don't, <laughs> don't know that you're, I could... You're not ready to commit to that. <laughs> I'm not... This is correct. I'm a little bit, little bit like Ellen, and I, let's just say I'm a committophobe when it comes to the idea of writing another play. Anita Heiss there. Titters is on at La Boite Theatre as part of Brisbane Festival from the 5th to the 24th of September. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.